Hey, welcome to In Bed with Books, the podcast where we talk about smutty fantasy, classics, and more. I'm Melissa. And I'm Bethany. If you'd like to see more of us, you can find us on our website, inbedwithbookspod.com, or on Instagram at inbedwithbookspod. So thanks for joining us this week. Uh, what are we talking about today? Let's find out. All right. How are you on this Thursday? So I was working this morning from home and I had, uh, I do, I answer like phones and stuff mm-hmm. and text messages. And this patient asked, um, they were, they were wanting to schedule uh, with someone. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, what's your insurance? You know, your health insurance. And she was like, it's Kaiser. And I was like, okay, is it Kaiser HMO or PPO? And she, you know what she said? She says, you said PPO. <laughs> and this woman is older. You can tell like fifties. And I just didn't say anything because I'm like, what the fuck do you say to that? Like, <laughs> what the fuck do you say to that in a professional setting? And also like, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's not cool anymore. <laughs> I don't know that it was really ever cool. Ever, was unless cool. you were like a little boy in middle school. Yeah, exactly. I was so, <laughs> I like messaged the team chat and I was like, this patient <laughs> like, said, what do I say? <laughs> and then Meryl was like, she was like, you, what you do is you laugh in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it was J J A J A. She texted me. Ha ha ha. She, you laugh in Spanish. And I was like, oh my God. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That was nuts. Some people are dumb and childish. Some people, yeah. Some people are just really childish and not in like a fun way. <laughs> no. in like a uh, way. Yeah. In a very <laughs> awkward way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I took a nap today. So nice. I'm thriving. Oh my God. I took a Living nap. my best life. I took a nap the other day too. I don't take naps. I know. You, I feel I like you do. You at take... least once or twice a week. Yeah. 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 I'm very pro nap. Yeah. I think we should all be taking more naps. <laughs> well, what did you say before we started recording? You were like, I'm going to go get some more water because I just took a nap. And then maybe get some juice. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you sound like a child. <laughs> I a child in a fun way this time. Yes, yeah, yes, well, that was a fun you know, way. Like, like after a nap, it's way different than when you sleep. Like after a nap, you're just like chugging water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, I haven't really had anything other than water in my system since about lunchtime. So I should probably get some sugar in me. Yeah. Like genuinely just like my sugar levels are probably lower than they should be. I probably like balance things out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but we've been keeping juice around the house more kind of because of that reason. I don't know. I think it's common for people with celiac to get like glucose issues. Right. And so if I'm like feeling particularly shitty one day, I've gotten to the habit of being like, I'll just have some juice and I'll see if that makes a difference. Yeah. Fingers crossed. It does sometimes, it doesn't always, but yeah. I took a nap earlier. Which is this life week. with chronic illness. Yeah. I took a nap earlier this week. I've just been so tired. What was it? When was it? Monday? It was just a day, and I just decided not to do anything. Well, we nice. have the couch. We now have a couch, everyone. I've been telling everyone I haven't had a couch in five years because it's true. Yeah. 
not like a, a couch. I've had chairs and beds. <laughs> yeah. But since before London, I haven't like had a couch to lounge on. So it was like, okay. We found it in the, I keep wanting to say the basement, but it's the parking garage. And it's really nice. And so I took a nap on that the other day and like, I think we had a meeting after that and I just felt so good that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember afterwards you're like, I just got so much done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, so true. I the nap. Yeah. So I got a, yeah. I got a lot done this morning, but I've been tired. I'm ready Give for a nap. Second wind. <laughs> yeah, I need a nap. Um, I also love your absolute bravery with like taking furniture from the hall. Yeah. Oh yeah, I take it all the time. I'd be terrified to take like a couch. Really? A bookcase is like one thing, but like honestly, I'd be scared of bed bugs. Really? Oh. But yeah, because like if it's a good couch, I'd be thinking like, why would they get rid of this couch? Right. Well, a lot of people will get rid of things on their way out from moving. Yeah. And sometimes people buy new furniture when they move. And this is like not, it's not like a super nice couch. Like it's the kinds that like uh, the back folds down, which is nice. So then you can like have people sleep on it. Nice. Yeah. But at the expense of like, it's just like not like I can feel the oh, that's fair. That's bottom fair. a little bit. It does seem pretty new. It's just not a very like high quality couch, that's which fair. I'm like, I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, in, yeah. In, my, in this point in my life, I will take it. It's free. It's also like such a bougie thing to be like, I'm moving, so I'm gonna get all new furniture. Uh, so we I, kind of did that, but in a in a let's furnish our one room studio. Yeah, exactly. Like if you don't Ikea have the furniture, kind of like then yeah, you gotta you gotta buy new stuff. But like yeah, I've been people where it's like they move and so they like just get a whole new set, and I'm like, how? That's Why? nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. If it's still good. So using it. I think I think this will be on brand. Okay. For the subject of the day. But isn't there like there's this thing that happens when people have money? Yeah. It just happens. And it's not, you know, it's not anything wrong with them necessarily. It's how they do it, use it, right? It's how they yeah. view the world. But like something happens where they just don't get it anymore. They don't get it anymore. They don't know what it means to need things. Like getting all new furniture is like, becomes a new standard. Yeah. The, like the threshold is you've, higher. Than yeah. You've the, just yeah. raised your standard of living. And like, that's something I've always been so terrified of losing um of doing right um is losing kind of that what it means to like work really hard and like i don't think it's a universal rule what? honestly like that you lose that part or that like that yeah. <clears throat> i guess like the standard of living being higher doesn't necessarily mean that you forget what it means to work hard or like what things are worth, you know? Like you don't have to struggle. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and letting go of that, of the need to struggle in order to appreciate things. Yeah, like that's like this huge, oh God, here it comes. That's like a huge capitalism myth. Like, (laughs) yeah, just wanted to prepare the people for that coming out again. Yep. But it's like, then the notion that we have to struggle to get our things is like, it's like up there with the American dream, which like I get that people have their opinions on that. But it's like the idea that you can just like lift yourself up by your bootstraps and and yeah, class jump is actually so not true. Yeah, it's very much like the exception that proves the rule kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And what that tells you is that like not you specifically, but like then when you're struggling and you're like, oh, I haven't struggled enough to get far enough. God. This is my whole or, life. Like, I haven't worked hard enough yet. Well, that's the thing. You're like, speaking to me. Like, Melissa. we're low income. Like, this is what, the, mm-hmm. like, the stories are meant to be telling us, which is that, like, we have to struggle more. We, like, we haven't yeah. struggled enough. We haven't, like, cinderella our way out of this. Or, I don't yeah. know, like, what's the guy from Wolf of Wall Street? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they they class jump because they work hard. It's like, no, they class jump because she was from a fairy tale and he was a con man. Yeah. There wasn't an American dream in this. She's not from America. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's why I really like the like the recent movement in like the spiritual community. Like I get a lot of it with the astrologers. That's mm-hmm. the astrology community that I'm part of now, where it's like rest is so important. Mm-hmm. And I will say uh, again on the subject of our topic today, African American and Black like Americans have vehemently been like pushing for this as like not just I, I think like. The way it's been commandeered nowadays is very much like it's being weaponized almost like rest here by this and you can rest here by yeah. this and, and it's you a can reward. reach it's a reward, yes. Vacation. It's, it's something that you can purchase. It's like a lifestyle that you can mm-hmm. purchase. But black activists have constantly for the last century plus been talking about this. And it's like, it shouldn't even be like a concept that we talk about. And they're talking about it in like this very practical way. This very, like what we would think of as like, stop it, smell the roses. Mm -hmm. And now we're stuck in 2023 and it sucks to, you know, feel like you haven't worked hard enough. You haven't suffered hard enough, but then you're also telling like, I'm talking to myself too now where it's like, you're also telling yourself like, you don't have to constantly suffer. You shouldn't have to constantly suffer to like survive yeah 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 i mean yeah you're i mean you're speaking to me because i mean in my you know adhd life brain of my brain is like very much uh i need i need to work hard so that i can like be something to be proud of you know Mm -hmm. i think we all feel that to an extent yeah culturally as millennials um from our, you know, boomer slash what's the one after that? Gen X. <laughs> yeah, Gen X parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it's like also tying this into our constant theme of, you know, recovering from academia and those standards and everything yeah. is that like realizing my worth is separate from my hard work, mm-hmm. but also I enjoy working hard. Yes. So like I can work hard and if I fall a little bit or if I fumble, it doesn't mean that like I as a person am a failure. Yes. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm dealing with that right now, actually. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. It like, comes I, and goes in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Milo's been very much like in the camp of trying to demonetize music. Okay, nice. Of just like, why, why because you love, like we, we left this flower shop this morning and talking about, you know, my mom's, my mom's a florist and she used to own a flower shop and she said it was really hard. Like when I was little, she said it was really, they had to close it down because it's really hard because people just want the gifts, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, flower arranging is like a very niche thing. Like you have to, it's for events or it's for Mm -hmm. holidays. It's not like an everyday thing. Um, and he's like, it is such a shame that like people, he's like, this is what I've been like talking about with music is that like, why can't you just have a garden? You know, you see these, these like old Swedish ladies that have like their big massive like gardens and like how much more fulfilling is that than yeah. like having a flower shop that you have to like then be a slave to. Yeah. And like, you know, especially millennials in this like internet age where like told we we oh he talks about how his kid the kid his kids <laughs> his yeah. kids at at the music school like they like draw something and then they're like oh i have to like sell this online it's like everything has to be like yeah has to have a capital yeah mm-hmm. just unfortunate we can't just enjoy things in yeah. art to enjoy them yeah yeah um yeah it sucks it, it sucks kind of, yeah <laughs> just like life's tagline um especially because like that ruins the the good feelings you get from it because then it's like it's not just the feelings from creating this little like beautiful thing but then if nobody buys it or yeah. if somebody buys it for too cheap yeah it's where all your validation lies yeah because you move the validation from creating the beauty to selling the beauty yeah sucks yeah and then it kind of affects it affects like the uh um it affects pop culture in a way yeah people will only create what is wanted yeah um or they'll create like vis-a-vis country music (laughs) yeah like (laughs) they'll create like the same thing over and over again the same style the same like sound repetitive yeah um for instance fast and furious just had their 10th movie come out and i guess the rumor is that this is going to be the first of like a three-part finale (laughs) i'm like that's just three more movies (laughs) that's not a finale first of a three-part finale yeah like this isn't a movie like this isn't a a tv show okay (laughs) like this is like if this was a tv show that would make sense it'd be like you know three nights in a row and it'd be like the but mm-hmm. no, this is like, and this is no hate to the fast, yeah. like the fast franchise because it tickles an itch, you know, it scratches yeah. an itch, I should say. Um, and also I, I'm not really one to talk because I'm a huge lover of Marvel and like you can make the same argument about Marvel, especially the way that it's gone recently. I'm still, I'm not hating on, on anybody or any movies or any of the shows because I think it's a waste of time. Um, or like Star Wars. I think I'm just naming off things that Disney owns now. But like yeah. Star Wars had a couple of shows 
And then they had a lot of issues with the trilogy, the most recent trilogy. And it's like, you only did it that way because like, that's how they did it in the past. Mm -hmm. And because it made a shit ton of money. But once again, the fans ruined it. And now here we are with like a trilogy, a, a sequel trilogy that the fans for the most part kind of hate or refuse to acknowledge is like canon. Yeah. Um, it's just for money. Yep. Or like, let's talk about all of the live action remakes for the Disney movies. Again, I think like it's fun in theory. Yeah. But we've gotten to like the fourth or fifth, probably it's like sixth one now at this point. And I'm like, if you have to do that much CGI, is it really live action? Yeah. Yeah, like live the, the Lion King. I was just about to say the Lion King. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. It's just CGI. You've made your job harder oh, by yeah. not just doing the 2D like animation. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. Um I've I've decided not to be a hater about it, but it's definitely yeah, like, not for me. I'm, I'm still gonna go see them or like engage yeah. with them somehow, but like like I'm like I'm like very excited that the world gets like a black Ariel and like, Oh yeah. And have like the little mermaid and like For all those like little girls out there. I'm like very excited cast about is that. Diverse, yes. even though it's mostly voice cast is like, exciting. We need yes. that. And that's, yes. that's great. Um, but like, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to see it just cause it's like not, yeah. doesn't look exciting to me because I'm just not a big fan of remakes generally. I didn't see the Lion yeah. King. I didn't say, uh, what else? Mulan I didn't see that no I didn't see Mulan I didn't see Aladdin and I loved Mulan like I love all of these movies I'm sure they're really good (laughs) but I also like I don't want to see the musicals either like the oh I've seen the musical the plays liking the musical oh no yeah that's a that's another thing that (laughs) within the first the opening song has me sobbing every single time um I do need to go see that actually I've never seen it yeah that's that's a different That's a completely well, different thing, though. <laughs> you it know? comes to Gamage a lot out near me, one of our bigger theaters out here. So I'll see if it's going to be here soon, and then we'll see if we can get you out here to see it. I would love that. Yes. Wouldn't that be yes. cute, us going to see The Lion King? That'd be so fun. That'd be on brand for us, though. It so. really would. Um, yeah, and so, like, I think it's it just sucks. Okay, so, like, as a further example, going back to Marvel real quick, is that, like, Marvel has gotten a lot of shit recently because their CGI looks terrible. And a lot of the, like engineers that do it have come out to basically say that like their standards are too high their expectations are too high to where like they're changing things and like it's a long process it's not something you can just change a month or two months before release yeah um i will say i think the sonic movie set a really bad standard for that because i don't know if you remember this but when the sonic movie was first like uh the first promotional pictures came out it got roasted to like a bitter crisp um because he looked so weird i actually forgot how weird he looked i was just that saw like the like, uncanny valley or yeah it was 100 the uncanny valley like they made his eyes really small and they gave him like defined teeth it looked so bad and so like this was like several months before the movie was supposed to come out and so they re- rehashed all of it they redid all of his animation so mm-hmm. that he had like the big eyes and just kind of, I think he, I don't know if he has teeth. I can't remember off the top of my head because I don't notice that. It's one of those things where you don't notice unless he's you notice, a hedgehog. You know? So yeah, I think he does. I think he's just got like a line though. It's not like right the individual because that's creepy. That's creepy as fuck. Um, 
because that's the thing about the uncanny valley is like you don't notice unless you notice if you notice it's bad yeah um, fun, fun fact i recently discovered and, and i say recently because when you fall in love with a fictional character as a child you don't really know you're doing it until mm-hmm. later yeah and i realized that i really liked sonic the hedgehog nice like he's quick he's like um what what's the he's kind of a flirt what's yeah. what what am i trying to say he's um kind of like a sherlock holmes that witty witty yes nice okay i'm really into that so you are just... not alone in this in the sonic the hedgehog love but i do not recommend going to look for that online oh yeah it's same, it's same not... with my little pony what you think <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not what it's you think. not what you think yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah so don't, don't recommend so we should incorporate more rest into our yes uh, moral into our yeah into our culture or toast a little toast to rest okay okay so what are we talking about um we're talking so this it was my turn to choose the classic for this season and i just really have been wanting to read a james baldwin novel mm-hmm. i read the fire next time in undergrad it's not a novel it, i think it's just a short it's story just a book <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> It's like a, those. it's an, it's like a more of a phil- philosophical like expose. There's a word for it, I'm sure. It's nonfiction. It's yeah, it's kind of like a long essay. Oh, nice. Um, okay, okay. No, I just read the fire next time in undergrad, and it was you know just more of his like him talking about his experience meeting Marx and stuff like nice. that, and so he talks a lot about like racism in America and things like that. Um, what it means to be a black man in America kind of thing. Um, so I've, I haven't read any of his fiction yet, which I was like, oh, I really want to, because I just love him as a writer. Like mm-hmm. he's just, and I mean, I think part of it is because like, you know, if you're a writer, writer, like a writer, writer, yeah, like you write essays, you're a philosopher, like in my book, you're a yeah. poet, you're like all of these things. And he's like high on that list for me. Um, and so hadn't read his fiction yet so I was like really excited to like get into that I would still I still really want to read go tell it on the mountain because that's his experience with like religion because so for those of you who don't know who James Baldwin is yes he is a he was I guess he's not alive anymore um he was an activist he was a writer he was gay black man who grew up in Harlem and uh, his father was a preacher I think Baptist something something intense (laughs) Um, and so he so I'm I love his ideas around religion because he has this like irreverence for it that I just fucking love you know because he just like because at that point if you're like if you're black and you're gay, like you have nothing to lose in terms of like what you have to, like what you're allowed to say, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't need to prove to his dad anymore. You know, he's, he's got nothing 
to prove. So he's just going to say whatever the fuck he wants, which I just so appreciate. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Anyways, today we're reading. <laughs> today we're yes. talking about, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, uh, no I also just wanted to mention a couple of dates and everything. So I was yes. just Googling some dates. Yes. So he was born in 1924 in New York and he died in 1987 in France, which he notably said in an interview, he left America explicitly yes. because of the racism. Yes. And I know we've talked, okay, like, cause we, you know, have been to the continent. Yes. <laughs> um, so continent. Yes. And then I do think that like the English or British people and Europeans like to underplay their own racism. But in his own experience, he talks about how it was just leagues easier for him to live mm -hmm, mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Just as a note. Yes. Um, America has a very special flavor, though. Flavor of yes. uh, racism yes. that he talks about in The Fire Next Time, which is why we mm -hmm. reread it. Um, yeah, we are reading If Beale Street Could Talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which was published in 1972. I didn't um, know that when I first started listening to it, reading it, listening to it. And I was like, wow, this is... Because so, first of all, right, I haven't read any of his fiction. And we've actually been reading a lot of classics by um, Black American authors mm -hmm. um, on the podcast. And so this one actually felt very different in a lot of ways because it was so overtly political. Yeah. And... Um, it makes so I was just like, wow, this book's really ahead of its time. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, it was published in 1972, yeah. like, and I know it's Baldwin and everything, it was but like I was just very like, firmly in its in its time. Yeah, because yeah. compared to like Nora, Nora, Zora Neale Hurston. Yes, Zora Neale Hurston. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. And um, <laughs> I can't remember who did passing. Uh, Nella Larson. Nella Larson. Yeah. Um, like it did feel very like mm -hmm. overt, um, uh, definitely, I think like, so, I mean, we can get into it, but I, I definitely think the, oh, like, um, Tish was definitely like the vessel mm -hmm. for which like Baldwin to share these thoughts on like yeah. poverty and politics and racism and well and something that i like about it is that she's just talking about their life mm -hmm. they're like they met when they were really young and so she's going back talking about like them falling in love as children and everything yeah and like it is overtly political but in that her life is overtly political because yes. of who she is and because of where she lives and because of the way that her life is playing out yes. she had this really great line early on where she said something along the lines of like um it just seems so unlikely or like it seems so impossible but then again it happened so i guess it's not mm -hmm. like that that notion of like well it wouldn't happen to me kind of thing you know because you there's this idea of like the people that it happens to mm -hmm. and it's safer to think that you're outside of that but you're not right. always right. um so i guess one of my favorite parts of his writing is that like how kind of like aggressive he is with the not aggressive but like 
blunt he is with the uh like the imagery mm. again like at the very beginning she because it just all hits you he, he doesn't like ease into things he's just like very upfront yeah. with it uh she's visiting the prison to see Fani, and she talks about the hallway being like the sahara and she, he doesn't like try to be like subtle with it or like ease into it he, she's he's just like the hallway is the sahara yeah the the animals the vultures they will wait until the perfect time to eat your flesh and they the call hallway. themselves zebras yes and they call themselves yes it's just like so mm-hmm. in your face from the beginning yeah. and it's it's like it's not like a gentle language even when it's talking about gentle things yeah which i guess granted a hallway in a prison that she's visiting her soon to be husband isn't necessarily like a gentle thing but just like yeah. generally you know what yeah. i mean like he's he's very um tactful with it i think in a way that doesn't make it seem kind of like cut and dry even though the way it's presented could be construed as such yeah yeah Yeah. it's incredibly intentional yeah um yeah that i totally forgot about that because um later in the book she refers it she calls the prison the sahara she's yeah like and i was like oh i can't i remember hearing this and i can't remember what yeah she doesn't even say prison she just calls it the sahara and yep. then you're just supposed to remember yeah because like that takes you sh- just straight back to all of those images of like the vultures and the zebras and yeah yeah what yeah. i really liked about um this in which i f- i feel like set sets it apart from like the other two books that we read which is you know 20th century literature of like this is like a story that is is communicating that racism and poverty are inextricably tied. Yeah. Um, and so I love that we're not we're not being spoon fed the racism. Mm-hmm it's happening and we're getting like told why it's because yeah it's because and i like because there's this um part where she's describing how which is funny because it's like in you don't think tish this character would just have like all of this like ed, she's what in her early 20s like she doesn't have like yeah. the education if, if to that, know this yeah. and that's why i say like she's definitely just like this like vessel for Baldwin <laughs> to like, but the thing is, she's also living it. That's yeah, a much she is different living experience it exactly. Than, like, yeah, that's true. I think we usually get in these, you know. And so what she's describing is like, um, like the lawyers or the the tax collectors, mm-hmm. so to say, like are just the middlemen that white and black leech on people who are like poor. Yeah. And, and try and get their money and stuff. And so he's just inten- intentionally describing this like hierarchy, this like um, of like poverty and systemic poverty and how them as like black people are being like affected by this mm-hmm. at the very end becomes the twist, almost the twist in um, Phony's Fonny. I'm so sorry. I have to think Alfonso when I say it. Otherwise, I'm yeah. going to say phony. Well, also, isn't his name Alonzo? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And is. so that's why, like, even if she's saying it, I'm like, I'm just going to think his name's Alfonso because yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense for him to be called Fonny. 
but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, nicknames are nicknames. So. Yeah. Um, because at the end he has that realization mm-hmm. that it is nothing that he did. Yep. It's something that I can't remember the quite the line, but it was just like, it like downloaded and I was just like, Oh my God. And it was just like, cause I was realizing it with him. Like, and obviously mm-hmm. I knew, but like we were along that journey with him of just like, yeah. you know, cause there's that like scene of him, like masturbating and like feeling awful. And then like, you just like really go deep into his consciousness of like what it is to be in like prison. And, mm-hmm. um, and then you realize he realizes that this is, there's something else he needs to learn. Yeah. Well, it's also hard. Like, it's got to be hard to, like, be punished to that extent. Oh, yeah. And then to have that realization that, like, I guess, because on the one hand, there's, like, a freedom in realizing there's nothing that I did mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. put myself here. And it's almost like <clears throat> the, like, fate versus free will argument where it's, like, both are a little scary. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, either... He has, he doesn't have to worry about himself as a person because it's not his fault that he's there, which leads to, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to end up here. Yeah. And I think that's one of the problems now that we're like two white women talking about this, but like the irony is not lost on me, but like with the like respectability politics that come into play around like the Black Lives Matter movement or with the general like the marches that'll happen that get turned into like looting events or mm-hmm. what get construed as like riots in the news or like white media and then what comes out afterwards is like well if they wanted to be respected then they should be acting yeah. more mannerly or however they want to say it they should be acting more respectable and it's like but you don't understand as a white person and like as white people we also don't understand what like how that would feel mm-hmm. to know that no matter what mm-hmm. it's m- probably going to happen to somebody you know mm-hmm. and that seems like an over exaggeration of the numbers but we only hear about a fraction of these that are happening and like granted they aren't all perfect like i think baldwin gave us this very good example of like a nice boy who is just like in a bad situation mm-hmm. but that doesn't like if if let's say he had like some bad crime in his past that doesn't mean that he deserves to be punished for a crime yeah. he didn't do yeah because yeah. at that point the crime he's he's being punished for is essentially just being black yeah exactly and that and that was yeah. the the moral at the end that kind yeah. of he realizes he's like oh i'm not here because of what i did i'm here because of who i am yeah. what i what i look like yeah um and he realized that that is out of his hands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I think the one thing about Baldwin, and this goes back to kind of like the, their lives are political. So the book is highly political. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Is, it is also in t- like tied in with all of this is this very beautiful love story. Mm-hmm. And they aren't separate. They're like very much entwined with each other. Um and so it's like it's one thing to read all of the kind of like treatises on these or like the modern articles that you'll get people posting on like HuffPost or Atlantic or whatever. 
but it's like reading about two kids being in love and having this really beautiful love story is an entirely different experience yes. to like engage with this kind of content with this kind I guess content in that it's like a book but like this kind of Message. story yeah yes I think um this is kind of one of the things that I'm like really starting to think a lot about more and obviously I'm, I think it's always been like a subject of study but I think it's something that I've been trying to find words for which is this what I wrote my dissertation on right which is like yeah. It's like taking this, like, the f this kind of, like, feminine outlook of writing as being, like, this romance, this, this memoir, right? Those are, like, letters, like, um, those are, like, traditionally, like, feminine, like, forms of writing. And those messages and intertwining, like, actual political, like, real like bigger picture elements to it in a context that can actually reach us mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. instead of this theory um, or this description of events or yeah. this um, uh, timeline, you know? Yeah. And so well, I kind of love, I yeah, I kind of love that, like, I feel like um, passing and, their eyes were watching God was very much like a, you kind of had to come with the politics mm -hmm. because they were very like much like about the personal experience of like what mm -hmm. was happening and stuff. And I love that this almost like combines the two. It's like, yeah, so beautifully done. Well, and like, oh shit, hold on. I had a point. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. No, I'm um... apologizing because I've been there. Too <laughs> <laughs> so many times. Um, Well, and like with theory, there's like an inaccessibility to the general public because yeah. it's just so wordy. That's why I feel like conversations like these just cannot be happening purely in theory, which I think was one of my issues with like the 18th century stuff was like, I don't care what this rich guy has to say about the poor people. <laughs> um, God, God, that charity one was really hard. Yes. Um, <laughs> but like the point of fiction and the point of like novels, the point of reading fiction is to live other lives. Yeah. And so he's like feeding mm -hmm. us the theory through this, these other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Intertwined with like the beauty of life, which is like, they all happen together. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Cause it's not to say that like, without all of this, all of our problems would be solved and there'd be no hardship. It's like, people in power will always find a reason we'll always find a way to enforce these things yeah um but like it doesn't mean that that has to stop us from having cute dates at mexican restaurants yes and a night with the boy you've been in love with well and it because it embeds it yeah it embeds these um theory this um these ideas and these experiences that are happening to them may not be of our, something we've experienced or, mm -hmm. or can understand, but that's where the understanding happens Yeah, is that you have to be able to relate with 
not the experience, but you need to be able to relate with the people on a human level and adding yeah. like romance and a date and like the fact that I loved, <laughs> I really loved how she was like, and F- and Fani was with me. He wasn't, yes. but she just kept saying that. And I was just yes. like, yeah, you can feel she like those, is. you can feel like I love. believed it. I yes. believed it. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and like everyone has that or wants that it can understand yeah. that and like um we may not you know as white people we may not like be able to understand what it is to be targeted like that yeah i mean we won't we never will and yeah not in our um, lifetimes unfortunately not, yeah and <laughs> yeah well, and yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah i know, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> unfortunately um but it's like we can we can understand what it means to lose what loss is and what love yeah. is and what do they and call I think it? like uh, empathize yeah exactly exactly like that was again one of my problems with like the theory end of things like we had that poetics and liberty class mm-hmm. and sometimes we'd read those really dense philosophical like uh treatises yes treatises um and that's why I was always trying to like come out with examples because it's like these don't ex- these yeah. these theories if they exist without examples that, yeah. they can't exist because like then what's the point of the theory? Yeah, and I feel like this almost like validates that anger for me. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like he's giving us the examples. He's like, yeah, it exists. Here is where it exists. It exists in like these two mm-hmm. young people falling in love. Yeah, yeah frustrating well and i think too like i don't know maybe you can confirm this for me but i feel like yes because <laughs> anti-capitalism has this kind of like a new newish thing in education yeah and in, 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 like, in education in education yes yes um because i didn't start discovering it until undergrad um and but we're taught about race and racism mm-hmm. and history kind of oh i know you know what i mean the 90s version of like where it's like racism is only when you hurt a person of another race yeah exactly not the power structures yes exactly yeah exactly and so then learning what those power structures are and how they work in the system and how like i remember watching this seminar at um undergrad when it like really started to like download for me again uh white woman discovering for the first time yeah but like the this guy talking about how real estate works and how they're targeted only like and how it just like visually showed you like yeah. these are all black neighborhoods and these are all good neighborhoods like <laughs> over yeah. here and it's like these are the good good schools these are bad schools why are like and it's like oh it's and like people can't choose where they live like and that just kind of like well and it like this is where there's that overlap with class which Mm -hmm. baldwin's also talking about here but it's like the reason that the bad neighborhood has the bad schools is because the school's funding is dependent upon the taxes right the local taxes yeah and so if they're getting the local taxes from the low income areas Mm -hmm. which end up being predominantly people of color as well as I'm, I'm not going to say white people aren't there, but they tend to not be, uh, I guess, loyal 
isn't the word that I'm looking for, but it's adjacent to it. But like they tend to be like bootlickers nowadays, right. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, which then the school doesn't get the funding and it reinforces because then the people who have the money want to live in the area where they have yeah. the better school. Yeah. Um, but this also goes back to this. Uh, it's like a fun internet fact, if in case anyone hasn't seen it, but it's not just an internet fact. It was from like a talk, I think a TED talk possibly, where like during Hurricane Katrina, they were helping the rich neighborhoods first. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. A lot of the white people in the mm-hmm. low-income areas were confused as to why they weren't also being helped. And it's like, it's not because you're white. It's because <laughs> you're poor. Yeah. Like, yeah, they can't see that nowadays. And yeah, I'm going to get like, I can feel more of like the political stuff vomiting up. But like, this is the product of like how many decades of the Republican Party doing its bullshit. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to end it there. Yep. <laughs> Before I fully vomit. Back to the book. Apologies. Um, he does a really beautiful job of humanizing mm-hmm. the situation. Like, while Fani's in prison, in jail and prison, he isn't, I don't know, he's like, it reminds me of Shawshank a little bit. Have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Sorry. Okay, we're going to fix that when you visit because it is my mom's favorite movie. Okay. Um, we're like... For, okay, so for anyone who hasn't seen it, I'm going to use a kind of old example. But in the movie, it's set in like the 40s or 50s, I think, possibly. And he's since the, the main character is sentenced to life in prison because he's convicted of killing his wife and her lover. We find out later that he didn't do it because somebody else had came from another prison and talked about the man bragging about the crime. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's stuck in prison for life, like one of the worst prisons in the country kind of thing. And he, at first he seems to be like punishing himself. Like he's going through really hard things and because it's prison and they don't really sugarcoat things. and then as the years pass by and they lose people because either they get out or they die, um, you can see his mood shift. You can see mm-hmm. like the transformation as he reaches that realization of like the same one that Fawny reaches, which is that like, it's not, there's nothing I could have done. Yeah. There's nothing I could have done. But the difference between like that story and this story is that he escapes prison. Right. He digs a hole through the prison wall and climbs out through a poop pipe it's not glamorous but it's still like Fani doesn't get that yeah because fill in the blank but he doesn't get that because at the end of the day he even if he leaves prison he's gonna enter the same situation yeah and once he leaves prison he's gonna enter the same situation which is that he can't go anywhere without potentially being accused of a crime yeah unfortunately um yeah and so i think it's like it's not he's not philosophical he doesn't have to be just what he's doing because he does have like that that whole like delving into but like that's that doesn't really sum up what he does for the book yeah that's not the core of the book yeah yeah 
And that's not like the core of what he's meant to do in the book. She's meant to be the philosophical and she's meant to be the one seeing these yeah. things and pointing them out. He's meant to just be living. That's all he has to do is survive, yeah. which yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it is. It is. I think it's heartbreaking too how much hope they get. Because it, like it's it's told kind of like the present timeline, which is them trying to get her him out of prison. And then also her telling little stories here and there about like them getting together and falling in love and growing up together. Um, the first time she realized that he has his father's smile or going to church with his family on Sunday or the date, which was a beautiful scene. Um, my favorite part of the date though, is like that he can speak Spanish to them. Or at least like understand he kind of yeah. speaks Spanish to them. Um because like that's also so cute. If you were on a date and they just started like speaking in the native language. Yeah. To like get you more food or get you a deal or like get in good, you know, that'd be cute. I yeah. I, I that'd be a good Tinder date. So yeah. Um <laughs> and so like for her seeing all these things is part of that whole process of like coming to terms with it, mm -hmm. I guess, is a good way, the best way that I can put that. Because there's like this hope every time like they're on the date and you're like, yeah, I want him to get out. He's good. There's no mm -hmm. reason he should be in here still. Yeah. Because you see him, they have sex for the first time and it's sweet and she's like in love. And I don't know, it's just a very soft it's like this very gentle story mixed in with this kind of stressful, kind of extremely Wait, stressful, but like weighted. Yes, kind of weighted. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is a good point about like the hope because there is a lot of like pockets of hope, like, and not, oh, hope that he'll get out necessarily. I mean, there's definitely that. Yeah. Um, but there's this like, oh, but he is a good, like, yeah. Like it's the same thing he that is, he's telling like he himself. He is a good guy, and this is yeah. a and um and romance. This is technically a romance. Yeah. In the in the genre, and romances always end up having a good ending. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of like I kind of had that in my head like the whole time reading yeah. it. I was like I was yeah. like oh they're gonna get him out. This is gonna be like obviously there's gonna be like some kind of sacrifice or like some kind mm -hmm. of thing which the f okay her family is like amazing yeah like i was like first of all first so i i sometimes i'll do voice notes because i'm listening to it and i yeah. don't want to forget like a thought and i did this voice note and i'm like i don't know how far i am in the book but i fucking love her mom yes and this was before yes. so that before she had gone home to tell the whole family, but I was mm -hmm. like, I fucking love her mom. She like sits down and is like, you don't need to worry about being a bad girl. Mm -hmm. Like you've got enough to worry about. If you yep. were a bad girl, you'd be doing tricks on the street and you're not like, mm -hmm. and I was just like, Sharon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
love you um, and then her dad i like uh, about fucking cried like i was like about yes yes daddy yes Good dad. exactly exactly okay like, he is dad a, with a capital d he is yes. a da- capital d dad our capital d yes. dad mm-hmm. our um, first one of the season i think yeah, i think so <laughs> um and then in contrast to his family that's just like low-key like the worst when they described or when he was telling her about his parents having sex very mm-hmm. early yeah i was like are they having sex or is like yeah. she getting assaulted exactly that's exactly what i thought too uh yeah and i think it is meant to be a little like ambiguous because they don't Absolutely. have a good relationship yeah and there's like there's a lot of like racism from the dad but like colorism within the family period because she she points out like the daughters are or his sister bonnie's sisters are like light-skinned they've got the straight hair from their, their dad bonnie is just like clearly black um right and it was just like such a contrast such a contrast and uh, speaking as you know a child from a two race from a biracial household like that's probably pretty accurate not that he wouldn't know or anything but like it's very easy to like think that it's okay it feels on point yeah (laughs) yeah it feels very on point like it's very easy to think that it's okay and to like slowly realize that it's not yeah which is just part of the thing of like growing up is like realizing certain things that like one parent or the other does isn't actually good yeah um but like those little things where she just she noticed that the sisters and the mom clearly didn't like her and she's like i don't know if it's that they thought fanny deserved me which was actually bad or that i didn't deserve him which was also bad yeah so yeah which is a fun little dynamic to also be playing with in all of this um fun in the like asterisk totally not fun but <laughs> um yeah, I I think part of it was that like her family was a family of people who all understood each other's experiences, which made a huge difference. And I think is why Bonnie probably was like so excited, I guess, to be part of this family. Not that he does like not that it's not because of his love for her, for Tish, but like it'd be a lot easier for him yeah to have this be his his new or his like second family you know yeah not just in friendship but in like legally viewed by the state yeah exactly and they and they definitely they definitely made him feel that way yeah um also warmed up to frank frank i fucking love he was a mess but yes he was a mess but also like later on i was just like because he was fucking going off Mm -hmm. on all of them yeah i can't remember who but he was angry (laughs) yeah and he was just like just what he was saying i was just like yeah like it was the emotional outburst that we all needed like yeah we needed that catharsis like we needed someone who was just Cause he was kind of quiet the whole time mm-hmm. you know he just kind of like minded his own business people were like "Ooh, frank and then he just like fucking rips a new one and he's yeah. like 
he needed to get that out he needed to get that out yeah and we needed like a break from the tension Mm -hmm. we needed someone to say it we needed someone to say what everyone's thinking and he was that person yeah 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 i feel like part of the release of that is that they're all being so i guess normal about it like it feels normalized and that's really frustrating yeah to read um because they're kind of making their plans and everything so it's not like they aren't doing anything and they're sure. just like well this is another wednesday it's like no they're very actively trying to do things but nobody's really like letting it get to them and i think yeah. that is dangerous territory anyway because frank does end up killing himself right trigger warning um and I, I would say that those two are tied together because if you're letting it get to you that much, not that it's not a normal human reaction, but I think part of the reason that the others weren't is because like they were leaning on each other so much. I think this goes back to like the very different family dynamics where like yeah. Tish's family is very, very supportive of her yeah. through all of this. Yeah. And the other family just, like, Bonnie's family just seems to be falling apart. Um, yeah. That's got to be really hard for his father, for Frank. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so not having that, like, support system. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, there's no reason that they shouldn't have been supporting each other as well. Like, the family is crossing over. Yeah. Um, it's just... It doesn't always work out that way, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, not racing for it or anything, but just an actual question. Mm-hmm. What is, so it ends with like, we learned that Frank kills himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we know she's close to labor. And then Fanny just shows up. So this was sentences before sentences after um Sharon shares with Tish that Ernestine got money from the lady or whatever that she's working mm-hmm. for. And so the actress lady or whatever. So then I'm assuming that they got bail. That's kind of the wrap-up of the story. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's just the bail. Okay. Because, well, you know, also, you know these, oh. these 20th century books, they fucking, like, <laughs> they, just leave you. Big. There's yeah. no epilogue. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite thing is that it actually ends with the baby cries and cries and yeah. cries and cries and cries and cries and cries. Cries like it means to wake the dead. Like, very much... Um, Tying back into this, like, you got hope against this very weighted, very heavy situation. You've got this, like, new life played against this imagery of the dead. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't have one without the other. Yeah. Good and the bad, a little bit together. Do we wish the bad was this bad? No. But there's also the good. Because you That's- can't have the bad without the good. That's exactly, um, I was reading up on this, on the book a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's this, in this interview, 
that Bald Baldwin spoke um, with The Guardian upon the release of Beale Street in 1974. He said, every poet is an optimist, but on the way to the, that optimism, you have to reach a certain level of despair to deal with your life at all. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's what that kind of reminds me of is like, yeah, is like you kind of have to take, yeah. Yeah. The, you have to take the bad good with the bad. Yeah. And I think that's um, part of the reason that like Frank kills himself is he can't see the good. Yeah. He was an alcoholic to begin with. Yeah. Like he clearly wasn't on the right footing um but he just let it consume him he he didn't see the good that was coming mm -hmm. with the bad not that they were like like i won't say there was any kind of cause and effect between them like you it wasn't that it was this good so it was this particular bad kind of thing or vice versa but like he removed himself from the situation because that situation scared him. But in doing so, he also stopped the possibility of like meeting his grandchild. Yeah. Or seeing Fawny get out. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Love, yeah. I would love to read this again and do like more, pay more attention to Frank, do like an analysis. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a really interesting, important care, more important than I think we think. I mean, we keep talking about him. The fact because that he's he, kind of this outlier in their like little bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. It's definitely a book that's like easily readable again. Yeah. And I think it's because I, I it does like it really in three days. Yeah, it, it does yeah. a really interesting storytelling style because of the way it's like past present, past present. Um, yeah. So I I like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think I'll definitely. This is why I like talking about books with you because I know we need to do more classics. I think. Yeah, we do. We do. I think every time we do a classic, we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The politics vomits out of me, and then I have to. I love it. Yeah. Um. I really want to do a Vonnegut with you. Yeah, we need to do we a Vonnegut. Need to do a Vonnegut. Real quick though, because yes. I wrote it down and I gotta okay. say it. And also, I think it's a beautiful line. Well, it's not beautiful. Um, it kind of ties in what we were talking about earlier about like the systemic issues. And it was the mm -hmm. part of the story, very, very end, when Tish is talking about like Fawny, like kind of realizing that, oh, it's really not him. Mm -hmm. um, and she's kind of philosophizing that, which it, and, she, and the line is the righteous must be able to locate the damned. Mm -hmm. and the religious imagery yeah because this is not a religious book like mm -hmm. it's not there's no no one's religious so i mean you can just see it spilling out of baldwin but it is like um obviously we're a christian country but this has been like the the whole um there there always needs to be someone worse than you yeah worse off and that's where um white fragility white supremacy comes from mm -hmm. is the fact that you there always needs to be someone that has it worse off than you that you can put put down 
that you yeah. can put the blame on that you can say, okay, but at least I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fawny was a scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly why it benefits the people in power. And I'm saying that vaguely because there is a very, there's like a large number of, like you said, like it's systemic because it's not just one person doing this. There's like mm-hmm. multiple parts of like the structure that makes up our country that does this. But it's a lot easier if you throw one thing in their face and make them look away from the other thing. Going back yeah. to the like the poor white people in Katrina. Um they were like, well, at least I'm not them. Yeah, because they they themselves felt entitled. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um absolutely. I also so part of the reason that I get all these things is because when I do work, I do engagement on LinkedIn. So I get like little TED Talk clips and stuff, right? Yeah. Um one that I saw recently. I don't know how old it is, but I saw recently was this guy talking about like he would talk to people about like job stuff. I can't remember exactly the context or I don't know if they said the context in the video in the uh, video. And it was like a room of white men. And they were Uh like, well, because of like diversity stuff, she took my job. That black woman took my job. It's like, but it wasn't your job. No, because you didn't get it. It's like that entitlement. Yeah. 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 It's like it's it's yours because they you took, think you're they entitled. They took her to jobs. It. Yeah, they took our it's like mm. But you're not taking them. Yeah, they took the jobs because <laughs> you don't do them. Yeah. And also because like it's cheaper to exploit a yeah. immigrant class. But like also we're seeing that now where it's like in California they're having workers issues. Mm-hmm. And American citizens aren't taking the jobs. American citizens don't do lawn work out in Arizona. No. Can you imagine why? Because it's heavily viewed as like a Mexican immigrant job to have. Yeah. I always think about, okay, this is going to sound so bad, but like on The View, I can't remember her name, but Ozzy Osbourne's daughter was a host on there for a while. And she... It was during, I think, the Trump election, and she had this, like, she thought she was being really witty, and she was like, um, if you get all of, out of, uh, get rid of all of the immigrants Donald Trump's in, who's going to clean your toilets? And it was like, that's not the, the point that you think it is. That didn't come out as well as you. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't come out nearly as, as uh, whip, uh, quippy as you think it did. Um, because at the end of the day, this is why we shit on white liberals, too. Um, because she thinks yeah. that she's helping by saying something like that, but she's still yeah. reinforcing the, uh, the power structure dynamic, whatever you want to call it, where Mexicans are maids and lawn workers. Yeah. Which is, is like, as long as you keep believing that that's as far as we need to go, yeah, then we're not going to get very far. That's like bare minimum. That's below the bare minimum. So, yeah. See what you did. You made me go down another. I know. Typical <laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, it's very hard not to with a book like this. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I think, and I think that was entirely his point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, 
Imagine if your entire life was politics. I'm just talking about this girl's life and her, her, the love of her life's life. And it's yeah. all politics. Imagine how that must feel to live. Like that sucks. Yeah. You can't just tend to your own garden. Your garden mm-hmm. is being, um, chopped away. Like, invaded by yeah, invaded. Mm-hmm. the white man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I will say actually, yes, but no. Because they do tend to their own garden, yes. too. Like, that's why they, her they family find survives. Garden. Yeah, they find their garden. And um, yes. even, unfortunately, even uh, Bonnie does. Mm-hmm. And uh, something you were talking about earlier reminded me of um, Victor Frankl's, like, Man's Search for Meaning, mm-hmm. that book, um, where he's a Jew in a concentration camp. He didn't do, he didn't do anything. Yeah. And he has to he has to figure out he has to make peace in his mind Mm -hmm. with the fact that he will never have his body yeah and um he has conversations with his wife in his mind and maybe that's another book we should read it's pretty intense yeah um he has uh yeah yes he's the same one no that's ellie weasel ellie weasel oh yeah um uh night yes night was good night was good Oh God. I, d- I had to read that in high school yeah same like everybody else in america but yes um but yeah just um that you know and it's the buddhist thought too which is you mm-hmm. know you can't always control your circumstances right and i'm not yeah. and i'm not trying to say this and i'm like a <laughs> yeah everyone no. who's been fucked over just needs to figure it out and deal with it but it is like it it is a level of humanity that some people have to do mm-hmm. in order to get through it. And that's something that other people like us, like have never had to like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and never will yeah. have to. In that way, we've been very privileged. Exactly. Um, and that's also why I think I've always, not always, I should say, but it's like, once you see that a little bit, it's not something that you can just turn off. I think if you're genuinely engaging with it, because you get people who like, I don't know, politicians who change their views down the line to like, for their own gain, right? It's like, well, then you never really were engaging with that, were you? Yeah. Because if you actually engaged, like if you actually cared about it, you wouldn't have the response that you do. Um, But kind of going back to that, that whole thought, train of thought again that you were brought up um i think that's part of the reason that shawshank plays out the way it does because he essentially has like i think it's something like 18 years that he's in prison before he escapes Uh um and so he goes through that whole arc where like i mean this story stops essentially after he realizes after fawny realizes that there's nothing he can do um and in Shawshank, he's not in a concentration camp. So, like, there's a little bit more leeway, right? Um, he passes the point of the these circumstances are outside of my control to I'm taking back control. Yep. And so that's how, that's, like, that's kind of the story there is, like, he takes back control of his life, um, which, again, he's a white man. And so it's very easy for him to take back control of his life because after he leaves, he just looks like any other white man. Yeah. But I think, like, that is what we would like to achieve 
that arc more than like the acceptance of the like lack of will yeah because i think I, I i earlier i mentioned fate versus free will and i want to amend that a little bit because like there isn't an argument for fate versus free will when something like that is happening yeah because i think the word fate just like very much underplays the outside sources or like the outside influences um mm -hmm. so like the holocaust or systemic racism like that's not fate that is very much like engineered by people and by propaganda yeah and so i guess it's like actually the the realization of no free will when you when everyone else has it yeah and that's like worse yeah so just yeah, that, a previous that's statement a, yeah yeah no that's exactly what i was thinking of like when you're being treated like you've done something wrong but you haven't mm -hmm. but like you have no control over what people think of you yeah you have no control over over being a black man in america you and having like a specific narrative imposed upon on, you there was that um fuck there was that scene that was so good it was um sharon going to puerto rico yeah she was like going into a club and she's like she knew she was a mother yeah. she knew she was um uh why she was there she knew who she was like all of these things but everyone else just saw a black woman yep that could have been anyone anybody or anything yep and so like there i i just thought that was brilliant <laughs> like mm -hmm. way to kind of portray that what it is like to walk in a room and not have any control mm -hmm. um because if she was a white woman she would have been what she she would have been perceived as what she is, which is mm -hmm. uh, a traveler, someone from the States, a mother that's there for like very important business, which mm -hmm. is what she was. <laughs> yeah. But because, because she was black, she was not seen as that. Yeah. 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 Good book. <laughs> Great book. <laughs> yes. I, I, gonna, I love Baldwin. I absolutely I love, love him. I think He's just got such like a like a frank writing style. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was avoiding that word because it is a character's name, but now that we've covered it, I will like it's it's just Frank. Oh yeah, Frank, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he is very frank. And I I love that because it's it's if you are interested in James Baldwin, I recommend watching YouTube videos of him talking. Oh god. In yes. interviews. Yeah. Because he is a preacher's son. And there is a particular oratory talent that comes yeah. that he has, um, which is being articulate and confident mm -hmm. in what you're saying that is, is backed up with this mind, right? Mm -hmm. like, and this like writer, so philo um, philosopher. So, I mean, I just love watching him debate. <laughs> it's so fun. He's... <laughs> he is like a genius with with words an yeah. absolute genius i think like one thing with um so we haven't read 20 morrison no we have yet 
No not on the podcast, right? No, not on the podcast. Okay. Um, I like him more than Tony Morrison because I think Tony Morrison has a very like fluid style, mm-hmm. which I think we've talked about the differences between you and me. I think Baldwin style is much more like my style, but I think it's because like he has the very beautiful words, right? But he's not like tucking the story behind the beautiful words. Yeah. It's like, here is the pain and here is the beauty and they are just next to each other. Yeah. They are one and the same. I think that was one of the like, because I took a lot of classes in college about like, I mean, I had an English degree, so <laughs> there was a lot of uh, freedom. Um, and so when I read Baldwin is when it clicked. Mm. More, more so, because everyone likes to throw around like Morrison stuff. That's like the 101 level, like and racism. Maya Angelou and, yeah. and Maya Angelou, yeah. Um, but I think Baldwin was the first one where I read it and I was like, wow. Same. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have I think, not read Toni Morrison. I I started to read it, read mm-hmm. one, but um it, you know me, I start lots of things. You're good. <laughs> um and that's not to say that there's not like merit to Morrison's style, but I think it feels like this was written for somebody who doesn't live that life to understand it. Yeah. And I remember lis- I remember w- listening to this interview by Toni Morrison. I just like came upon it once. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she wanted to write books that didn't have, that was not, that was something a black person could read and not feel like it was for the white gaze. Yeah. Um, and so that was her intention, right? Yeah. And Baldwin is speaking to the masses <laughs> yeah he is he is which like yeah masses spoken to yeah masses agreed yeah um i do recommend tony morrison though yes absolutely. yeah yeah i i really think you'd like morrison it's very poetic we had different flavors you know yeah yeah i think i just i just like how frank he is how he it's just very like it's interesting too because he's also very philosophical Mm-hmm. which I know that's not something you're, you always like, I, because to speak about that class you were talking about earlier, I was like, I remember this because I remember yeah. like after the class, you being like, I hate philosophy because no one can fucking tell me yes. what it's grounded in. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly that. it. It's like, I think that's why I like this so much because like, I do it like philosophy, it, yes. but I, I need it to be grounded because like, then and, what's the fucking point? And that's what Baldwin does really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, it reminds me, I can't remember who the guy is, but I'm sure somebody will remember if they're listening, but like the Greek philosopher, one guy had said like, here's what you need to make a man. And the other guy was like, well, this chicken qualifies. So this chicken is a man way back in like ancient Greece or yeah, ancient yeah, yeah. or something. Plato or Socrates or something. Yeah. Like somebody, people smaller than that, I think. Um, and so it's like, yeah, because his philosophy wasn't grounded in anything. Yeah. It was just like vague words. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that's that's like Chef's Kiss. Baldwin is just leagues ahead of well, what, any modern philosopher in my in my book. What philosophers, good philosophers, are are people who are looking at the things mm-hmm. in the world and connecting it to this like spiritual element of like mm-hmm. what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be good? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's like what philosophy is rooted in. What is virtue? But it is like this, is like Baldwin grew up 
in this. Yeah. And so he sees, and so then he's able to apply like this. I think more philosophers should just write fiction. Yeah. Maybe they'd get their point across better. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'd actually be able to finish anything (laughs) that Derrida wrote. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. I loved this book. 10 out of 10. Yeah. One of my favorites, I think. Same. I kind of want to read it again. Read another one of his. Yeah. I do think we should do Vonnegut. I mean, you can choose the next one, but oh, eventually down the road. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, ne- for because next... I love Vonnegut. So. Huh? For our next read? Our next classic? Yes. Yeah. Eventually or whatever. Yeah. Next season. Um, I'll figure out a new one because I've read Slaughterhouse-Five. I don't know Same. that I want to do Slaughterhouse-Five. Same. It's, I was going to say the that. Book. I love the book, but I want to do something a little bit more obscure. So yeah, I was going to say that too. I was like, I want to read another one. Okay. Yeah. I've read that and Cat's Cradle. Okay. Very good. I have, um, the Titan one. Ooh, I think I have that one too. I think I stole it from Vinny. I started it and it sound, and it seemed pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I was like just sitting down and I was like reading it. I was like, Ooh. Um, Vonnegut is also one that you should watch videos and interviews from because he constantly is just everything that comes out of his mouth is gold yeah yeah and everything from his fingertips absolutely gold yeah um for a while I had his like writing tips on my board yeah yeah but I moved so they're gone but they're good tips too um breakfast of champions supposed to be good but Mm -hmm. the what is it called the titans I think I have it it's somewhere yeah, I've got it somewhere. Titans of something. Sirens of Titan. Yes. Yes. Sci-fi. Yes. Sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I think Same. I just like it. I just like it. Yeah. There. I said it. The boys can't have sci-fi. We've Sci-fi's had... for the girls. Yeah. We um we read uh, The Dispossessed and so proud of us. Mm-hmm. So Frankenstein, the original sci-fi. Yes. Yeah. Um we like um yeah we like sci-fi that and like new worlds yeah <laughs> and in terms of our classics yeah oh yeah i think weathering heights is the only one that's like not either of those that's more of a yeah. paranormal romance yes yes <laughs> um i think too because i think we had talked about doing like gatsby at one point or doing fitzgerald mm-hmm. But Fitzgerald stuff is all class, and I feel like it's very flat now that we've read yeah. like some of this, like written by yeah. women, written by women of color, written by yeah. people of color. Like, mm. sorry, <laughs> Fitzgerald. I think, no, I think too. Um, so you okay? So I had read The Dispossessed. We mm-hmm. both read Frankenstein with our heights. Mm-hmm. You had read Passing, and their eyes were watching God. Mm-hmm. This is the f- you had read If Beale Street Could Talk yes Vonnegut the our Vonnegut book is gonna be one we both have not read yes and I think it might be behoove us to go forward with that mindset of like trying to do a, one that we haven't read by an th- author we know maybe yes I think that's the thing is like so far we were trying to just go easy with the classics but we're cutting down our reading just enough during the well, season I th- that I think we can yeah. cope with having another book that we both haven't read yeah, well, and I think we re- we just really wanted to discuss these books. 
oh yeah with the yeah. other person like we're like i'm like you gotta read this because you're like, we've gone, you we've gone through this. so many so far the ones that we've wanted to push on the other one yeah exactly so, and and yeah. on all of you um yeah. <laughs> so yeah i i think it'll be fun to like read read new ones so okay cool thank you for listening and joining us for another week thanks you guys make sure to like and subscribe to the pod we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts wherever you pod until next time happy reading happy reading bye Bye.